Pastor Darrell. Looks like you can see me better than I can see you. <laughs> it is good to be here in the city of Boston. And to be precise, this is Cambridge. Some of you are more particular with that. It's really our privilege to be here. We've spent four or five days now here and learned to love some of the people here. And most, the thing that strikes me most is the vibrancy of some of your leaders that we have met and how you have put the right priority in the right place where worship, prayer, and the Word of God is right in the center of this spiritual family. Amen. For some of you who might be just checking this church out or visiting, this is the place to be because, you know, in Acts chapter 6, I'm giving a free ad here for sure. Now, because, you know... I studied the book of Acts for many, 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 many times and in one of my favorite books because I love the work of the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts. And, and it was very clear that in a vibrant, growing church, a lot of time there are competing priorities. And in Acts chapter 6, the apostle was very clear. You know, they, they say that there's so much demand on this fast-growing church we cannot afford to miss the priority. So we need to expand our leadership and just uh, have more leaders. But we as the church leaders, we need to continually give ourselves to prayer and the Word of God. And this is a church that is birthed out of a prayer room that has been praying for this city for 12 years. Where can you find that? I mean, a church that is birthed out of a fiery furnace of prayer. This is remarkable. The grace of God is truly upon the, the people who have said yes to just band themselves together to love Jesus and to love one another. So I prayed for you for, for weeks now. Before I arrived here, I was in Singapore speaking to some people. And, uh, and when I arrived here, the Lord was uh, increasingly giving me a burden to talk about destiny and purpose. And I believe it's a Kairos word for the, the, those who have gathered in this place physically, and I don't know whether this is streamed, recorded, or going to be broadcast, but if somehow by the providence of God you are listening to this message, this is a timely word for you. Philippians chapter 3. I'm going to go old school here. I'm going to read the Bible, not just doing PowerPoint, hoping that you get the word. I'm going to read the Bible in a very old school way, a lot of verses. I know this is Cambridge, Massachusetts, but I'm going to make it feel like a Baptist church somewhere in the Bible Belt, okay? So Philippians chapter 3 let me begin by reading from verse 7. It says that, But what things were gained to me, I have counted loss for Christ. And verse 8, Yet indeed I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which, that which is true faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. Verse 10, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection, the fellowship of His sufferings and being conformed to His death, 
if by any means I may attain to the resurrection of the dead. I am not done yet. There's still a lot more verses to go. <laughs> Verse 12, not that I've already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Verse 13, brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. But one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press towards the goal for the price of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us, as many as we are matured, have this mind. And if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to, do, to you. Paul was pretty insistent over here. He says that if you have a different mindset, I am here to convince you this is the way to think. Verse 16, Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk in the same rule, let us be of the same mind. Verse 17 to 21, Brethren, Join in following my example. And more those who so walk as you have, you have us a pattern. Verse 18. For many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are enemies of the cross of Christ whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, whose glory is their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ. And finally, verse 21, who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to His glorious body according to the working by which He is even to subdue all things to Himself. Father, we ask that you open the eyes of our understanding and you enlarge the capacity of our hearts that we may be able to have a conversation and a dialogue pertaining to this matter that might not be easily digested with, by the fleshly mind. So Lord, we ask you that you quicken our spirit today, that we will receive your word by faith, and faith will come by hearing and hearing of the word of God, and this will be life-giving to us this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I entitled this message today, Discerning and Walking in the Calling of God. How many of us want to walk in the calling of God? Whoa, only 25%. I hope at the end of this message, every single one of us would have this passionate desire to walk and discern the calling of God in our life because there is no other place that's better to be than in the center of God's will. So, I want to divide this passage from verse 7 to verse 21 into three parts. I think the, they might have made the outline. That will help you just discern the structure of the, the scriptural passage so you see a pattern. The Holy Spirit has a pattern, the way that he inspired Paul to write this epistle. So verse 7 to 11 is the first section. 
Paul was emphasizing that in order to rightly discern the will of God before we walk it out, we have to have the first thing first, which is that we will receive the supreme revelation of who Christ is. Our calling, our assignment, our mandate, our impact, our meaning, our significance must be built upon this supreme revelation of who Jesus is. If you, if you build anything else apart from that plumb line and that foundation, everything will be off. In fact, you might be able to go on what, what seemingly to be a success train for a little while, but that train will wreck somewhere in the middle of your life and you will have to reevaluate and build all over again from the original foundation. As I look at this demographic in the room, and most of you look like you are 25 and below, and even those of you who are not, you look like you're 25 and below. <laughs> Amen. Let's keep it that way. As I, can, as I said before, that you can see me better than I can see you, so all of you look like 25. It is better to discern and lock onto the true unshakable foundation from your youth. So you don't have to waste any time along the way in the wilderness of going round and round and round and trying to figure out what this is and what is the direction. So verse 7 to 11, Paul was very emphatic. He said that you need to be caught up by the supreme revelation of Jesus, how important that Jesus has matchless worth, His value, His glory, who He is. That is the foundation of all the foundation. The second part, from verse 12 to verse 16, he says that if you have the supreme revelation of Jesus, that will lead you to a supreme posture and mindset. You want to have a right mindset, it cannot be connected to anything else but the foundation of who Christ is. And then if you have the proper and supreme posture and mindset, then it will lead you to a supreme walk and a supreme manifestation of life and expression of life, which is summarized in verse 17 to 21. So, if you're used to a Baptist church sermon, there you go, the three-point sermon has been given to you. Now I'm going to switch over to more charismatic style of preaching which is I'm going to go where the Spirit will go and jump all over the place. If you get lost, no, see, no, seriously, I'll be firing bullets at you, bullets of the Word of God, and some of you will get pierced, and it is good because you're getting something. But if you get lost in the structure of the sermon, come back to these three parts. There are three points there. Amen? Amen. So here we go. Rev Philippians chapter 3. Paul was beginning to tell them that, you know, I am quite an accomplished person in my own right. My parents invested in my life. I was from the city of Cilicia in the region of Tarsus, southern Turkey. My parents were pretty well off as a Jew Jewish family in diaspora. 
But they were so concerned that I will be Hellenized, which means that my mindset will be filled with just a Greek philosophy. They want me to get the true, unadulted, undiluted Hebraic thinking. So they sent me to the boarding school in Jerusalem and they hired a very, very renowned professor by the name of Gamaliel to train me since I was a kid. And I passed every standardized testing with flying colors. At the minimum age of 30 years old, I qualified to sit in the council. I checked every single box of what is to be a spiritual, religious, excellent human being. But yet, when I met the risen Christ on the road to Damascus, I realized all that I was holding on was rubbish. It meant nothing because it was built on the wrong foundation. I was stripped bare. And I have to figure out how to live my life all over again. He became blind physically for three days, a reflection of his inner condition. He has been blind for 30 years. And now his eyes was about to be opened. And he realized that from now onwards, He's to be a born-again man living with the gospel. That was a remarkable experience. So when Paul was writing to the Philippians, when he said, I consider all things rubbish, he was not just trying to be uh, ex- kind of like exas- in an exaggerated mode, like, you know, wow. He was basically struck by the matchless worth of the resurrected Christ he met on the road of Damascus and he said, because I have seen true glory, every other thing that I consider valuable and glorious is nothing compared to the man that I encounter on the road of Damascus. Now, if you do not lock yourself onto that reality, then there will be many things in your life that will preoccupy your desire. You will fight for many things in life that seems matter to you, but ultimately may not have eternal value. Sometimes it may take decades to find out because we wrestle in this world for many things that seems matter, relationally, materially, uh, in terms of title, influence, fame, so many things. It takes a while to find out, to wake up. But Paul, at that point of time, was awakened by the Lord. He realized the contrast was very, very clear. Now we go to verse 9. He says that, I realize that there's no way I can work out my own righteousness, even by obeying the, the law of Moses. Everything is just nothing. All I need to do is put my faith in Jesus. I don't know what background you come from, you know, this, is, this city is a melting pot. I assume all of you come from somewhere and you have your own spiritual journey. But I want to just invite you that the gospel is really an inclusive gospel that is open to everyone. It's the good news, the best news. But at the same time, the pathway is so simple. The pathway to Jesus is so simple. Sometimes it blew the mind of the people who are smart. Paul called it a stumbling block to the Jew and foolishness to the Greek because all we need to do is believe in Jesus. Put our faith on the finished work of the cross. Everything else does not measure up. 
It is basically what He has done and what He has completed on the cross and you just have to receive it and believe that your relationship through your regeneration, born-again experience in the Spirit is sufficient to bring you into this new life that spring up all the way to eternity. For some people, that's way too simple. Don't have to do more. No, there's nothing more you can do. But at the same time, out of that born-again experience, just like a newborn baby, you know, in John chapter 3, there is this conversation or this dialogue that was really interesting between an established and accomplished rabbi and Jesus. This rabbi was so curious by the, the signs and the wonders he saw in Jesus' life and ministry, but because he belonged to a certain denomination, he could not publicly approach Jesus during bright daylight. So he came in the night secretly to do a Q&A. He said, how can I inherit eternal life? Jesus said, you must be born again. He said, what's that? Go into my mother's womb and come out again one more time? Jesus said, well, you've been studying the scripture for a long time. You're the expert and if you cannot understand how can other people understand. Let me tell you, you must be born of the water and of the spirit. Amen? And obviously, you have heard somebody interpret this passage being water, being baptism of repentance, and after you repent, you receive the Holy Spirit. I have a slightly different take about that. I think it talks about the natural birth and the spiritual birth because all of us came out from the water bag. You know, you're born of the water, you became a human being. Then when you received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, you were regenerated and born again into a spiritual life. So... Just as the biological life transition from an aquatic environment into this non-aquatic environment, the terrestrial environment, the, the, the baby that came out, you know, I don't know all the medical procedure. All I knew is that they want to make sure the baby can breathe, right? I, 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 I've heard people say that, you know, they, they actually make the baby cry, like open up the lung. <laughs> I'm no expert in that. Some of you have been mother, so you know what happened. Because they want the baby to take in the, the air because the baby used to be in there breathing in a very different way. So, you know, and the baby, even though it's alive right now, is a brand new expression of life. Yes, it will require only faith to have access to this born-again experience, but our born-again experience is like coming out into a whole new environment where the expression of life is just beginning. There is so much abundant life waiting, and abundant life involves abundant works because a healthy person is not going to lie down on the bed and say, I'm not going to eat, I'm not going to move, I'm not going to think. That's not healthy. A healthy person will move, will think, will find things to eat. A sick person will lose appetite, does not, cannot move the finger, you know, and all kinds of limitations. So works itself does not gain the salvation, but the abundance of expression of works in the kingdom is a sign and expression of vibrant spiritual life. We got to get the order rightly, okay? So what calling... And the will of God has to do a lot with the expression of how we relate to the Lord and one another. Loving people require some service and works. 
So over here, Paul's talking about the fact that your, no amount of spiritual work is going to gain righteousness. All we have to do is believe. But after you believe, then you enter into the good works that has been prepared for you from the foundation of the world. He wrote it to the, to the people in Ephesus in chapter 2 very clearly. Okay, so let's go to verse 12 to 16 right now. 12 to 16 talk about a very interesting reality where Paul talks about the fact that there is a goal that he's laying on to. There is a calling that he's laying on to. There's, there's a reason why God chose him. And so he began to lay out a mindset on how to tackle this thing called the calling of God or the goal for the upward call that is in Christ Jesus. I am going to read you a few principles that we can draw from verse 12 to 16. Now, I, I laid out from uh, verse 7 to 11 just now, it was about the importance of how the revelation of Jesus shaped the way we walk out our calling. Everything must be built on the revelation of the matchless worth of Jesus. Then no assignment, no calling will be considered too difficult and too sacrificial. There, there are things that will require some price, some cost in our life when we walk it out. There are things that will, will, will require some readjustment or priority. But in comparison with who Christ is, those are not real costs. Those are not real sacrifice because of the value of who Christ is. Okay, so that is... That is the foundation. But when we, when we get to verse 12 to 16, he says the pathway of walking out the calling of God in Christ must involve not only a revelation, but a continual leaning on who Christ is in terms of resource, wisdom, in terms of strategy. So it is not just building on the foundation, in the process of growing from that foundation, there is a continual relationship. It is not working for Christ, but working with Christ. God does not, does not actually need any one of us to work for Him. He, he created the heaven and earth with the word of His mouth before any one of us were even here. And he's certainly not impressed what, with what we can show him. No, seriously. He is not looking for workers who can work for him. You know, it is true that there, there are many of us who are diligent in the kingdom, but we're driven by a sense of duty, a sense that we must do more to please the Lord. I just want to just settle that clearly from the scriptural revelation here, God is not really requiring workers, but He is looking for people that know Him and partner with Him that allow Him to work in and through. He's going to work in and through. Through us and in us. Both are equally important. 
So whatever He's calling you to do, He's not just using you to impact other people, He's transforming you in the process of you partnering with Him. So what will happen as a net effect is you become that co-worker in God's field you are the field because He's working in you, 1 Corinthians 3, but you are the co-workers because you're working with Him in His field. Now, only God can do that kind of thing at the same time. This is really very interesting. Now, one other thing that we have to pay attention to in, in, over here is this. He says in verse 10 that, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection. And, and, and then he goes on to verse 12 to 14, talking about the, the attitude of keep going for the fullness. And what he meant here is simply this, that he said that our works or our expression of calling and ministry and assignment must have a twofold goal. Number one is the fact that we are really working with Him, but in the process, we get to know Him more and more while working with Him. It cannot be just that we are working with Him and weeded in the process because we are disconnected from the reality of who He is. So while working with Him, we need to be attentive to rely on Him because when we rely on Him for wisdom, direction, resource, we are encountering God and the many facets of God. For example, God told Abraham, go to Mount Moriah and offer up Isaac in Genesis 22. And when God provided a ram caught in the thicket, he declared, Jehovah Jireh, our provider. And then Ezekiel 48, which was my Bible reading for this morning, not related to this sermon, at the end of the entire book of Ezekiel, after the amazing description of the new Jerusalem, he said, the Lord is here, is the name of the city, Jehovah Shammah. So every time we do something with God, there is an encounter factor that comes along with it. In fact, that's the question we need to be asking. If you're asking a question of calling, destiny, don't just ask a directional question. Don't just ask an impact question. Don't just ask a significant question. Ask another question. How can I know you more through this partnership? How can I grow deeper and deeper in the knowledge of who you are so that your glory may be revealed in me and through me? That is very crucial. So another aspect from verse 12 to 16 that pop up is this, that our calling, when we think about calling, a lot of time, most of us would automatically go to one measurement, impact, legacy. What will I do that influence and change the world, change the environment around us? That is correct and true, but it's not the totality of our calling. In fact, our calling, as the scriptural describe, is actually one calling with threefold reality integrated into one. I call that the internal, external, eternal calling. Let me start all over again. It's kind of a play of words. I'm not the originator of this term, but I find this to be really easy to remember. Our calling 
is one, but is actually three strands integrated into one. But if you don't actually pay attention to all the three strands, then we will only be preoccupied with the external. And that actually has serious ramification to other aspects of our walk with God. So, threefold. Internal, external, eternal. What does that mean? The internal calling is God working in us. Romans chapter 8, verse 29. We are predestined to be conformed to the image of the Son of God. In other words, we have a destiny and a calling, and our calling is to be like Jesus. He's changing us throughout our life, through the process called the sanctification of the Holy Spirit, so that we look more and more like Jesus. Now, in the course of walking out your calling, if you are becoming less and less like Jesus, we have a problem. Now, you say, Pastor, is that even possible? Yeah, have you met cranky ministers? Yes. Have you met ministers that are excited when they're in the 20s, when they're in the 70s, they are bitter, and they say, I, got not, I don't want anything else to do with the ministry? It's a sad reality. Or have you met young people who are ready to serve in their 20s and they're 50, they are full of, uh, you know, sinister and uh, skepticisms and, and all these kind of things that, like, everything you propose to them when they're in their 50s, they say, I've been there, done that, doesn't work. But well, you are just ready to start. Why don't we try? Well, you say, no, I've tried for 25 years. Doesn't work. I don't like that. No, yeah, no, 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 no. Nothing is going to happen. Believe me, I've been there. Well, that's not, that's not fun. So it's not a given. It is not a given that when you want to pursue the will of God, and walk out what you call the external impact, you end up becoming more like more Jesus. What, a, what about a vision of you starting off a little bit like Jesus when you're just born again, when you are in your, like Billy Graham just went to be with Jesus at 99. When you're 99, it's like your face is like angels because you are so like Jesus you have 70 plus years on the earth through all the, all the high and the lows of life and it has molded you and shaped you to be like Jesus. And all your yes to your calling and assignment, whether it's in front of multitudes in a stadium or in a hidden place to give a glass of water to one person, in a very restrictive environment of home care, caring for one elderly person that nobody even knows, and through all this change of season, you become more and more like Jesus. How many of us think of that as a calling? That is a very important measurement of calling. I tell you how practical that is. A lot of people thought of ministry or calling as a linear progression like any other career. Better, 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 bigger, bigger, more significant, dun, 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 it's upward. So when it goes down, wait a minute, why does it go down? Did I do anything wrong to make it go down? And then after 20 years, you realize it doesn't go down one time, it goes down many times. 
Then you're like, what? I'm like, okay, maybe I just adjust my expectation. No, you're not adjusting your expectation because as Christian, we actually have an undefeatable mindset that we get closer to Jesus on top here, we get closer to Jesus on top here, we get closer to Jesus at the flat line here. And every season, if you ask the right question, you grow closer to Jesus and become more like Jesus. But if our focus is only on external, then we get depressed when things go on the wrong direction in terms of scope and sphere of influence or budget size or the whatever that is discernible in the tangible realm. So obviously, the external impact is important. The second fold calling is the external. The external is your impact, your influence, your legacy. But that is not all. There is one more called the eternal. Why am I not, why am I not elaborating on the external? Because we are all driven that way naturally and you have plenty of books in the bookstore that you can find that will help you be more successful, better you, bigger you, more beautiful you, and whatever. There are plenty of books. I don't need to reevaluate on that one. We are living in America. There's plenty of books. So, the third one, which is the eternal impact, that actually does not even come to mind to many people. What we do now matter in the age to come. I want you to turn to the book of Ezekiel, verse 24. Th chapter 36, verse 24. I, I, the reason why I want you to turn to that chapter, that I want you to see it in your own Bible or, your own, or on your own phone. I know some of you don't bring paper Bible anymore, so... But you have your paper, but printed Bible, read your printed Bible. If not, take out your phone. I want you to see it in the Bible. Ezekiel chapter 26, verse 24, he talks about this, the future restoration of the Israelite and how God will put David as their king. Right? Are you looking at the same verse? Okay, chapter 36 of the book of Ezekiel. Hello, chapter 36, verse 24. John, look at me. Is that the right verse? It talks about David, be the king of the Israelite. No? Come on, it was my quiet time this morning. It has to be right. Let me go to it. Okay, anyway. I know it's there because I read it twice this morning and it's not part of this sermon. If you're reading from the phone, I would question that phone. <laughs> Just kidding. 37 verse 24. I missed my chapter. My apology. Yes. Somebody saved me out there. Thank you. Thank you, brother. I was reading from verse chapter 36 all the way to 48 this morning. So... Yeah, missed by a chapter. Chapter 37, verse 24, talking about the valley of the dry bone and how he would restore the Israelite. And he promised, that he would promise them that David will be your king. But wait a minute. David was dead by then. By the book of Ezekiel, David is well, dead, buried, and his, his corpse is, has decayed for a long time. This is now a few hundred years after David. 
What was God talking about? What was God talking about? I will put David. He's not talking about the son of David, the Messiah. He's not talking about the descendant of David. He's talking about David's coming back. When will David come back? We just read from Paul. One day you get a resurrected body. Amen? At the sound of the last trumpet, the dead in Christ will rise. We will all come back. Amen? You don't believe that? Come on. That is our Christian hope. If it's, we're not coming back, it's not worth it. Because some of the things, the narrow path we have to walk and the cross we have to carry doesn't make sense if we are not coming back. Some of the hidden servanthood, some of the injustice we take on in meekness in order to exhibit the character of Christ is not worth it if we are not coming back if there's no great equalizer. David is coming back. And he's coming back forever. And he has a job called a king over Israel. Well, that is, that is an unfulfilled Davidic prophecy for David. He's long dead. God told him, you know, I'm going to give you a throne. Well, he th thought maybe that's like symbolic, you know, like my descendant, my bloodline. Yeah, your Messiah will come from your bloodline, but I haven't forgotten you. Now, every single one of us who has this promise of in her, in, in eternal life has an eternal impact. What we do now in the transformation towards Christ-likeness and our faithfulness to our assignment matters to the age to come. I don't know about you. Maybe 20 years ago, like everybody else, my view of uh, afterlife is like, okay, now I'm in Christ, I die, and then I go to heaven, I float around forever and ever in the cloud, wearing only one color, white. White. Because white is awesome because it's a combination of all the spectrum of color. It's actually not one color, but it's a combination of colors. It just appears white. And how long would I do that? Forever and ever and ever. <laughs> then I look at my mortal body that is rotting, that is temporary, and I say, wow, this body is awesome. I like to do this. I like to plant flowers. I like to cook. I like to do... My, my body that's so limited right now is beaming with life. What about eternal life? Got to do nothing floating around forever? Come on, that's not a very good picture of forever and ever. So, it matters. There is an eternal aspect of your calling. So let me go back. Paul is talking about the upward call of God in Christ Jesus, that one calling, they have threefold aspect, internal, external, and eternal. They are all equally important. They relate to one another. You don't have to choose one. They feed onto one another. You just have to be intentional not to ignore and neglect the two other aspects, which is eternal and internal, and just allow yourself to evaluate everything around the external. And that is where it's detrimental. If we evaluate our totality, the summation of our life value based upon external is actually detrimental. It is actually not the biblical mindset that Paul is talking about. 
Now, I, I have not, I would not consider myself as a world changer, making massive impact, etc., etc. But I tell you, my understanding about this from the scriptures since my youth has saved me a lot of trouble. Probably a lot of tablets for depression. I mean, people get depressed when they, uh, things doesn't measure up to their expectation. You know, I want to depress, you know, right? Probably saved me from so many things because in every season, I understood the dynamism between these three components in my calling. If the external is not so clear that season, the internal could be beaming, like be light. And when the internal is beaming the light, the external could be exploding. If both of these are not so clear, the eternal could be awesome. <laughs> I'm not missing out anything. Amen? Yes. So, let's go on. There is another point. You see that in Philippians chapter 3, Paul links verse 12 all the way to verse 21, and from 17 to 21, Paul began to highlight resurrection. What does all these have to do with the resurrection? Because our internal transformation of our spirit man not only manifests now in our outward life and character and behavior into Christ-likeness and external impact, one day, if you read 1 Corinthians 15, it says this. 1 Corinthians 15 is a great chapter that summarizes about the resurrection. It's 57, 58 verses. And you can read all of them and you'll be so pumped with your new body, okay? If you are slightly unhappy with the current one, you'll be pumped with the new one, okay? You will be. It's better than CrossFit, believe me. Okay, so I'm not saying CrossFit is no good, but it's better than the CrossFit, okay? So... So, the new one, it, it, there's a mystery. Say some has the glory of the sun, some have the glory of the moon, some have the glory of the star. It's like, yeah, all of us will get eternal life, but we won't shine exactly in the same intensity of light. What? Oh, God, like you're not exactly like equal light for everybody. What is the deal here? Because there are some measure in our response in this, in this particular life as we walk out our, our calling in a faithful way that one day will manifest. We will wear it on the outside. What is happening on the inside will manifest on the outside. So Paul started off with verse 7. He ended up in verse 21. And the last few verses, he's talking about, hey, you get resurrected, you get a new body because it's going to come forth and everybody will know what you have been doing while you're on the earth. It will be the glory of your life. It will manifest as your nature, your true nature, as you cooperate with the Holy Spirit. Now, you read 1 Corinthians 15 there, and so I'm just using that text to interpret chapter 3. So I'm going to touch one final point because I forgot to ask Pastor Darrell what, what time I'm supposed to end. And uh, because I come from a place where it's 24-7, you know what that means? It means, it means two-hour services that go on forever. Like, you know, like 12 services a day and then tomorrow is again and again and again. It's been happening for 18 years. We don't know when it's day and when it's night. So sometimes I forgot to ask the pastor respectfully when should I end preaching. Okay, so 
Here is the situation, the last point, which is very important. I call that the mindset that Paul wants us to have as we discern and pursue the calling of God. He said this, this verse 12. I can read it. It's so clear. He says that, not that I've already attained and am already perfected, not that I've already complete, mature, and fully transformed to be like Christ, but I press on that I may lay hold of that which Christ has laid on me. That means Paul has a fullness mindset. In other words, Paul has accomplished much. He has journeyed with the Lord. He has been transformed into Christ-likeness, but he's always looking for more. He has a contending mindset. He's saying, there's more there. I want the fullness of all that Christ has saved me for. I'm not settling down for halfway, three-quarter way. I'm going for the all in Christ. I don't know how much is the all, but I will just keep going. In order to do that, I will forget the things that are behind. I will keep pressing on to the things that are ahead. Now, that is awesome because some people, after they achieve certain thing or they mature a certain way, they, they, you know, it's relative comparison. I'm comparing to this, comparing. I'm pretty awesome, quite spiritual. Now I'm going to cruise. Cruise is not a good option. Okay? So, that, that, this mindset, Paul is saying, you, you won't reach a point where you just cruise. There's, there is a fullness that you've got to reach out to. There's a press in your life that is, that is provoked and inspired by the Spirit that you have to cooperate with, no matter how old you are, how many, how many years you have become a Christian. There is a press. There is a pressing forward. But at the same time, he, he not only have a con mindset, he also have a contented mindset. Well, this sounds rhyme, but uh, you know, it's big different. Actually, two of them kind of, sometimes if you don't fully understand correctly, it's kind of hard to coexist. How can you be contented at the same time always contending? Because Paul says this in verse 13 to 14, he says, uh, especially in verse 13, Brethren, I do not count myself to have ap apprehended. One thing I do, forgetting those things that are behind, reaching forward to those things that are ahead, I press towards the goal of the price of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And he says that in verse 15, Let us, as many as mature, have this mind, have this mind, if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal this to you. Nevertheless, verse 16, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk in the same truth. So he said, to the degree that we have already attained. In other words, he's saying this, don't stop to the point you look back and say, ah, okay now. Keep pressing, but at the same time, stop. As you have reached a point, celebrate Take stock, appreciate. Milestones are very important in your life. So there need to be, I, I, do, I do not want to use the word balance, there need to be a deep sense of appreciation of the work of the Holy Spirit in every stage of your life. In other words, you have to know how to enjoy, delight, overflow with thanksgiving because the entire book of 
of Philippians is about rejoice. Again, I say rejoice. But what is there to rejoice if you're only half full and 50% full? How can you rejoice? But Paul said, rejoice anyway. Even, even if the whole thing is supposed to be this high and you got a few drop, rejoice for the few drop that was not there before, but is there now. Rejoice. But when you rejoice, don't get stuck just looking back. I am so awesome. I have a few drop now. So how do you keep living that way? It's called the rhythm, the heartbeat. You know, heartbeat means this, this rhythm. If you, I don't know what you call that thing in the hospital, you know, where they measure your heartbeat and your pulse. You don't want to see a flat line, right? Some people say, let's do balance. Oh, balance, everything is like flat line. That's not good news. Whatever that, that thing, that monitor beside your bed in hospital, you want to make sure it's not flat, flat line. So we need to walk in this mindset, Paul says. So some of you might be thinking in the beginning of uh, the message, this message is about how to find out the formula or how to find out my calling in my life, 101 formula. But actually what I've given you is a challenge to a mindset. A mindset of an agreed of interpreting and discerning your walk with the Lord. There are threefold greed in your calling, not just one. It's not just external. Secondly, the posture of your heart needs to be continually at the reaching for all that Christ is, has, has laid hold of you. Christ has saved you for. At the same time, to the point that you have attained, you rejoice. You appreciate. Your heart is overflowing with gratitude. It is not easy to do that, but as you exercise that muscle on a regular basis, it will become your nature, your, part of your spiritual ethos. So I want to just close. It's about time, right? So I, it's not done. I want you to respond to God's word. If this is God's word and God is speaking to you, it's time to respond to God's word. I want to give a few challenges. If the worship team could come and be on the keyboard. I want to pray for some people. I want to pray with you. The first group of people is this. Well, you have been exposed to the church. You have been coming in and out of church. But the issue of building your calling based on the supreme revelation of Jesus is really not the first thing, the priority thing. And this morning, the Holy Spirit just gently reminded you to re-examine your foundation and say, you know, let's check the foundation and see whether this, you're building on the right foundation so that you won't be disappointed somewhere 20 years down the road then you realize you built on the wrong foundation and it's very shaky. You've got to tear it all down and start all over again. So that's the first challenge I want to give you. If the Holy Spirit is challenging you to re-examine your foundation on the whether it's built on the supreme revelation of the glory of Jesus, I want to invite you to stand where you're at. You say, yeah, I want to re-examine my foundation. I want to pray for that group of people. If this is between you and Jesus, you just respond to God's word and He speaks to you. Second group of people I want to challenge, just 
those who just responded to the first challenge, just be in a posture of worship and prayer. You're doing business with Jesus right now. You're not responding to a man. I'm just a messenger. I'm a poster child bringing the letter to you. Second one, second one, second challenge is this morning you heard about the threefold integrated calling, internal, external, eternal. And you realize that you have been on a wild goose chase and evaluating majority of your walk with the Lord and your success, your career and everything, even your relationship, only mostly based on one aspect. And today you want to re-sign up and say, Jesus, help me. Help me to press towards the price of the upward call of God, to reach the goal. And the goal is a threefold goal. And you say, God, help me. I, I, I want to restart. I want to reset. If you, are, if you are responding to that, I want to invite you to stand where you are. Just a realization that the Holy Spirit was very gentle and He was bringing a reminder and saying, yeah, it's not worth putting all your eggs in the external basket. Finally, last group. The last but not the least. You know that in the kingdom. In the kingdom of God, the last group is, the last one that's highlighted is not always the least important. It's the prioritization of prayer in your life. A lot of this thing that we talk about today is all relational. Relationship is built on communication. And in the case of our relationship with Jesus, that is prayer. And you want to ask the Lord to give you the grace to grow in prayer. This is the right spiritual family to be in. This is a church that emphasizes on prayer. They came here to pray before they start the church. So if you feel that you want to just ask the Lord to give you grace to be more involved in the house of prayer, to, to give yourself more to the place of prayer so that you will hear the voice of God and respond accordingly. I want to invite you to stand. You want to ask for more grace in the place of prayer? Thank you, Jesus. Well, I was intending to invite you to come forward, but it looks like the entire church is standing right now almost, so there's no place to be in front here. So, but the Lord touch you wherever you're at. So let, let's close our eyes. Let's wait upon the Lord. Maybe the music a little softer. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. Let's all just focus on the Lord. Just focus on the Lord Jesus. The Holy Spirit is here. Let's not be uncomfortable in the posture of waiting, but talk to the Lord on that one issue that you're responding. Say, just heartfelt dialogue with the Lord. Lord, before I pray, you just have a moment where you just quietly talk to the Lord about what you're responding to. Let's all do business with Jesus. Even those of us on the worship team, if you're responding. Jesus is the center of everything. Thank you, Lord.
Hallelujah, Jesus. We love you because you first love us. But there's so much more we want to know about you, Jesus. You have laid hold of us. While we're still sinners, you died for us. While we're still lost, you knew us intimately. You knew us from our mother's womb. Lord, we thank you for today. It's not by accident we're worshipping together in Hilltop this morning. We thank you for your word. Here we are, Lord. We're responding to your word. Father, I pray for each group of believers that is responding to you. I want to pray for the first group that's asking you for the spirit of prayer and intercession in their life. I pray for the suddenly of God to break in. It is not even a gradual progression of a hunger for prayer. I pray this morning for an invasion of the Holy Ghost in their life, Father Lord, pertaining to this issue of talking to you, Lord, about the things that matters to your kingdom and your heart. Lord, I pray, Lord, a spirit of prayer will fall upon this church, O God. Lord, you will set watchmen on the wall for this city of Boston and Cambridge. Oh, Father Lord, we ask, dear Lord, for vibrant hearts in the place of prayer and worship. Oh, Lord God Almighty, will you hear our cry and put your spirit upon the one that say yes. Thank you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Mark this. Even today, even tonight, there will be a tangible difference in our hunger for prayer. Lord, I pray for the next group of people who say, God, I, suddenly you're stirring up the longing to know your beauty and your glory, Jesus. Oh, I don't just want to stand in the outer courts. I don't just want to just look at you and know you from afar. Jesus, I want to build everything on the foundation of knowing you. Knowing your matchless worth and measure everything in my life that is visible and invisible to your matchless worth. Oh, Jesus. Give me grace. Open my eyes. Open the eyes of my understanding when I read the Bible. Would you reveal yourself to me, O oh Lord? Thank you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. For the third group of people that have responded this morning to your word, Lord, I pray that you give them tools, pathway, language that is connected to their own culture, their, their, their worldview, their mindset, pertaining to internal, external, eternal. We all understood this matter slightly differently based on the way that we interact with you and this world. So Lord, I pray that you will come to them as a good shepherd and you will gently hold your hands and direct them into all these matters that are important to you. Give them clear language and understanding. Show them the next step, that simple next step 
so that they are not overwhelmed by complexity of things. For the path you lay before us, sometimes it may be challenging, but it's not complicated. It is simple. But sometimes the simplicity is the one that causes our mind to be troubled because it's too simple but too hard to do. So Lord, I'm asking you for this precious one that you will come to them like a shepherd. Father, we thank you, God. I know that Hilltop has just moved into this facility not too long ago. Lord, this place, Lord, is full of uh, cultural matters related to some European nations. I believe it's Italy. So Lord, I'm asking you, God, even as they meet here and worship you, we remember the nation of Italy. Send the fire of revival to Italy. Oh, Lord, you send the Apostle Paul to Rome. You send the best one, oh God. Do it again, God. Do it again in Italy, all the way from Turin to Sicily. Oh, all the way from the north of Milan. Father, Lord, all the way to the south. Father, we ask you in the name of Jesus. An awakening even in Italy. In the name of Jesus. And Lord, give them favor in this community as Hilltop meet to celebrate Jesus week after week in this place. And as a church, we also pray, give a permanent home to the Justice House of Prayer in Boston. Release the building. Release the building in Cambridge, Massachusetts, Lord. We ask of you as a spiritual family, nothing is impossible with you. Lord, they have pitched a tent. They have been willing to go where you lead them. But Lord, we know it's time. Would you give them a permanent home? The night and day prayer will go forth from this city to touch the nation. Because not only you want to have a prayer movement, a vibrant spiritual community, but you want to have a missional community. A missional community that will touch the nation out of this gathering of believers. So they need a permanent home and I ask you together with them this morning. In Jesus' name we pray.